past seven days has committed a sin in your heart, at home, at school, or in your workplace, please raise your hand. Okay, keep them held up. Look around you. I believe everyone in the room, if they paid attention to my question, has their hand raised. Okay? Now, you can put them down if you want, but they probably should go back up again with my next question. And you shouldn't really be unduly embarrassed now, right? By anything else I ask you, right? Okay. Good. Glad you're fired up. All right. Who of you in this room has discussed details of your budget and giving with someone other than your spouse or parent this year? Okay. Okay. You can put your hand down. Good. Good. Last question. It's not too painful. Who of you here tonight address the sin of materialism with your discipleship partner at least once a month? Please raise your hand. Thank you, Charlie. Now, obviously, you're reading between the lines here. I'm sure you guys talk about sins regularly. It's interesting that we don't talk about this one. That's why I'm here. To talk about myself. No. No, I do want to share some convictions, though, and experiences regarding this new prosperity gospel. Hopefully, my comments will be used by the Holy Spirit to stir your hearts to dig deeper into these treasure principles. But I think we really need a lot of prayer right now. So if you join me. Lord, thank you so much for giving us our daily bread. Indeed, you've been quite generous to all of us here tonight. Nonetheless, the temptation of materialism, selfishness, and greed are very strong, and they vie for our affections. Father, we cannot overcome these temptations without your help. Please, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Amen. Alrighty. So, that's what I want you to meditate on for just a few seconds. And it'll make sense as I uh, progress through the slides. I have 62 slides that are prepared for you tonight. So, uh, you might as well put down your notebook and just focus on that. Don't worry. Ed has uh, graciously agreed to upload all my notes onto the website. So you just go to hamptonroadschurch.com forward slash sermon and you'll find my notes. Later, not by me, but someone who knows IT, uh, this PowerPoint might even be up there with the audio. So here's to further prayer. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I got a lot of material, so hang with me. But... Uh, in Luke 16, that's where I want to start. Jesus told a rather interesting parable. I have it up here on the slide. 
about a certain shrewd manager. Now, admittedly, this is a rather difficult parable to understand, but Jesus offers a, a rather profound explanation of what he's getting at in verses 9 through 13. In my opinion, though, Jesus' statement there, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, is huge. Sorry about the typo. We'll get that fixed. And I believe this is the foundation of understanding all the treasure principles that the author, Randy Alcorn, talked about, and then also the one I'm proposing tonight, which I dubbed the New Prosperity Gospel. Okay? Again, what does that mean? Well, basically it's going to mean, can God trust me with more wealth? Or do I have a problem with serving money? Demonstrating trustworthiness with very little doesn't happen by accident. You know, you'll need to intentionally formulate very specific strategies to allow your heart to grow and allow your heart to grow not only in your financial stewardship, but your devotion to serving God. And if this isn't your strong suit in your character, just ask for some help, okay? Now, I appreciate the sacrificial hearts of so many of you and uh, how you've displayed that over the years. But what I'm trying to establish here is how can we broaden those great examples to every household in our fellowship? I can think of many examples better than mine, but uh, I think what I'll do is play it safe. And I'm just going to start with the best one that comes to my mind, that of Jesus himself. So, in the Gospel of Luke, we'll uh, start here with one of the most exciting events in the life of Jesus, his baptism. So, let's begin reading here in verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. I'll do my best impression here. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Okay, that had to be an incredible experience. But, when you turn the page to the next chapter, something interesting happens. Let's continue reading. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If... You are the Son of God. Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. That's what he was thinking about. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Back to Luke's account. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I 
will give you all their authority and splendor. For it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well, Jesus sets the standard of righteousness so high that probably none of us want to raise our hands saying, yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Okay, we can't measure up to it. Amen? Right? But that's why we need him as a savior. You don't need me. Trust me. Likewise, Jesus is also the one who's going to enable us to participate in the new prosperity gospel. So let's recite it together. Ready? One, two, three. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Awesome. Okay, let's also dig a bit deeper into this temptation of Jesus account in Luke 4 again. But first, have you ever wondered why the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus out into the desert after such an epic event as his baptism? Furthermore, God sent his son out without food. Teens, how do you feel about that? Bedding. How do you old people feel about that? Or companionship. How do you singles feel about that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, he did. There was a companion. Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, what was his nickname? Lucifer. Satan. Wow. What a great travel companion. <laughs> so, let me relate to the younger crowd here. Teens, how would it make you feel if your parents did that to you right after your baptism? Jeez, what a crummy way to celebrate, huh? So I think we can get some of these uh, actually pretty challenging questions answered by delving into Israel's history as Jesus was alluding to in his responses to Satan. So uh, let's go ahead and look into the book of Deuteronomy and I think we'll be in probably chapter 8. So I'll just read this and you could follow along on the screen there. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel before they got to the promised land. Okay. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. Okay, here in this passage, 
Moses is explaining to the people of Israel that their suffering in the desert was for the purpose of exposing what was in their hearts. Whether their hearts would be devoted to God or something or someone else. To reveal to the Redeemer if they were a people who would prove themselves trustworthy in their faithfulness and gratitude toward what he was about to bestow upon them. The promised land. And God wanted, hear that? He wanted to prosper the nation of Israel. Look, look at this. And when your herds and flocks, what? Grow large. And your silver and gold. Okay. And all you have is. Okay. You agree? Okay. In return, God simply wanted his people to be humble and grateful. But both God and Moses knew how easily the Israelites could show themselves untrustworthy, as it is stated in the next few verses. Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, and its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock, he gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you, so that in the end, it might go well with you. But see, God knows we're a proud creature. As Moses goes on to say, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So how long did the nation of Israel keep their covenant agreement? Not long. Okay. We need some encouragement here. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4. But how did Jesus fare with the desert test from God? I think we can use that A word. Awesome! Do you agree? Okay. I don't think you're that enthusiastic. I mean, let me see you after 40 days of fasting, okay? How did Jesus do? Okay. So let me summarize just some of the teaching points I get from these four verses here. Notice how Jesus faithfully fulfilled every test God intended for the Israelites. You see the connection? Jesus fulfilled it. It was meant for the Israelites to be victorious in what God was expecting. But it didn't happen in their desert sojourn. So Jesus made it happen in the desert. 
Number two, notice how Jesus wholeheartedly embraced the discipline from God. Because who led him in the desert? God. Who let Satan go with his son? And Jesus totally embraced it. And the reason was that God would use this to make his son perfect, that is, complete in his human nature's character. So, do you believe spiritual maturity and growth can come without testing? Do you also think Righteousness can come without suffering? Do you, like Jesus, view hardship as an opportunity to prosper your intimacy with God? In my opinion, the real blessings are being able to walk with God through life's various challenges. As a human being, Jesus earned God's trust through suffering. He patiently endured the tests his father orchestrated. Jesus chose to submit to these trials because he valued what God offered him in the relationship. Nothing in all the world was more precious to Jesus than his father's love. Okay, now I'd like to make a transition to how we can apply Jesus' example to our everyday lives. Maybe a little challenging, but that's what I'm going to try and do. Now, many of us have been blindsided by Satan's efforts to derail our financial stewardship. Can I get any amens on that? Okay, just wanted to see if you were human like me. The influence of the world and materialism invade every aspect of our lives. I believe the lessons learned from Jesus' victory over Satan in the desert are crucial to helping us be victorious too. However, i got to be candid with you all. I think the only path to victory is going to be through openness and diligent study of the uh, scriptures that we've been using in this Treasure Principle series. So again, let's return to Jesus. Let's go to the scriptures. All righty, back to verse 3. Jesus and Satan square off. Oh, wait a minute. I changed something, didn't I? Where did I change? Hmm? The Bible scholars, I made a word change. Oh, there's no if in there? Oh, yeah, you're right. I changed the word if to since. Uh-oh. God's going to strike me with lightning. Well, Steve, can you name the four translations of the scripture that have since rather than if? No, I'll ask you tomorrow. Okay. This is actually a more accurate translation of the context. And now provides us with a nuance, I think, that's very relatable to our everyday lives and experiences. Here's what I mean. This translation 
And if you want to find out what the four are that I found, there's probably more, uh, go to the website, hamptonroadschurch.com forward slash sermon, and look at my notes. Okay. This translation suggests that the devil was tempting Jesus by way of the following insinuation. Pardon my theatrics. Hey, Jesus. Since God is your father, and he, he loves you so dearly, certainly this is not right that you should be neglected so and have to go without food for so long. I'm sure your Abba Daddy would bend over backwards to do anything to relieve your suffering. You're entitled to better, right? How many times has any of the following entitlement thoughts entered our minds? Why won't my mom or dad give me a smartphone like everybody else at school has? <laughs> or homeowners? God, here I am trying to live on a budget and you let the air conditioning unit break. Singles? Yes. Got singles in the house? God, why won't you answer my prayer about getting a better job? And so forth. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, clearly saw through the devil's masquerade. So what do I got there? Masquerade mask. Okay. But seriously... What costumes has Satan worn when he's come knocking on your door? Jesus endured this testing so he could stare the devil down, face to face. Well, suffering actually, for me, suffering through trials. I've had my trials. Boy, I've had my trials. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Suffering through trials of many kinds has helped me by opening my eyes to see what Satan looks like when he pays me a visit. So, let me share that with you. Here's how the devil has presented himself to me. He's come wearing the mask of worry, greed, envy, anxiousness, Entitlement, discontentment, materialism, easy living, and keeping up with the Joneses. And who are the Joneses anyway? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're the ones with broken marriages, spoiled kids, and dead up to their eyeballs. <laughs> but let's be real honest with one another. Unlike Jesus, what's our typical response to temptation? Especially when we're hungering, hungering for something we believe the world can satisfy us with. Okay. Let me lighten it up a bit now. Perhaps you can relate to the following personal story. I was doing some reminiscing last month 
about my earlier childhood. Now, partly because of attending the REACH 2016 conference, but more so because I spent the first five years of my life growing up in the great state of Missouri. That's how you can tell if you're from there or not. The correct pronunciation of Missouri is Missouri. Okay? At the time, we lived in the suburbs of the suburbs of Columbia, Missouri. A city of around 37,000 people back then. Our nearest neighbor was the Fleischels Farm. Their barbed wire fence was up the hill behind our house. And I still bear the scars from that fence. But that's another story for another day. Well, anyway. One sunny summer day, I found a box of kitchen matches. Of course, what would any five-year-old boy do with a box of stick matches? Well, I took them outside to light them up behind the hay bale archery target. Next thing I know, there's an impromptu bonfire going on at the walker's backyard in the middle of the day that I couldn't extinguish. So, I ran inside and I hid in the basement. <laughs> All the while, hearing my older sister screaming, the target's on fire, the target's on fire. So mom, dad, my older brothers all then joined in to put out the fire. Suspicions arose quickly <laughs> as to how this fire got started. But the detective work wasn't that difficult since there was an open box of matches nearby and the youngest walker boy conspicuously absent. <laughs> the only reason I escaped a more severe punishment was that everyone else in the family was actually kind of relieved that our archery target was finally rid of that pesky yellow jacket nest. <laughs> now, the moral of this story is, if you play with matches, someone or something is going to get burned. The application for us tonight is that bargaining with Satan when it comes to his material offering is like playing with matchsticks. You or someone you love will get burned in the end. And after all, isn't it kind of silly to think we can hide our thoughts and actions from God? So what is materialism at its core? I think I'll just define it this way. I'm not sure where that slide went. But I'll, I'll find it. Let me define it this way. The sin of materialism is focusing our attention and our affections on things <coughs> offered by Satan rather than fixing our eyes and our hearts on what God has to offer. So let's go back to this account here. <clears throat> now Luke, I think, makes it pretty clear. And even with uh, the devil's second attempt here to try and trip Jesus up, so I'll read, beginning in verse 5. 
The devil led him, Jesus, up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship, or if you actually go back to Deuteronomy, fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Here in verse 5, the devil continues his attack. And all Jesus had to do was bow down to him. But Jesus knows the masquerade mask. And he blows him off. And he proclaims that the Torah has taught him to only worship and serve God his Father. And if you looked at Matthew's gospel account, Jesus told the devil, away from me, Satan. So, you know, I looked that up in the uh, Urban Dictionary. And basically that means, get out of my face, dude. (laughs) But, you know, seriously, here's the scary thing in verse 6. And he, Satan, said to him, Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it's been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. Let me restate that. Things obtained in this world, material possessions, could be brokered. That's a technical term. Economics and finance means he's the one that gives it to you. By Satan himself rather than God. And it can be kind of tricky knowing exactly who we're getting our so-called blessings from. How can we know for sure? Listen, I really don't have a firm answer, but I believe if we're open about our finances and are seeking input about our financial stewardship from, you know, other godly brothers and sisters, I think the Holy Spirit's going to make it apparent. Okay? I do trust that. But please appreciate that input from an older brother or sister in the faith. And when they happen to, even if it's unsolicited, ask you, uh, bro, sis, what you plan on doing with that uh, box of matches? <laughs> okay, I've witnessed this in action countless times. A number of individuals approached me over the years soliciting my advice regarding a job offer. They're considering. I believe the most helpful input that I have given them is to ask them, well, bro, how will this new job specifically benefit your personal spiritual growth as well as the spiritual growth of your children and your marriage, teens? Similar question for you all to ask is, how will this uh, athletic endeavor or other after-school activity uh, strengthen my relationship with uh, God and other teens in the ministry? See what I'm getting at? My main plea to all of you is don't be played for a fool by Satan. Oh, reminds me of another childhood story. Help demonstrate being played for a fool. This is what foolishness looks like as an adult, but not, not in the eye of a five year old. Gee, this was just fun. Okay, back to my homestead. So we're in where? Thank you. Okay. Now, remember that archery target? Yeah, the one that I burned up. Okay. 
Well, my dad had already outfitted each of the Walker boys, including me, the youngest one, with a complete set of bow and arrows. But where are you to shoot your arrows if you don't have a hay bale target? Well, <laughs> straight up in the air, of course. <laughs> Hence, my two brothers and I would each gleefully fire one off and chant. I shoot an arrow into the air. Where it lands, I do not care. <laughs> Obviously, we watched too many episodes of The Three Stooges. And with such foolishness, I am amazed I survived into adulthood. Okay, Jesus similarly illustrates the outcome of such foolish behavior when a young man tried to entangle him in the man's own personal financial family feud in Luke chapter 12. We read, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And Jesus continues, and he told them this parable. Wouldn't you love to be the one whom this parable was meant for? The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, oh, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things. And laid up for many years. Take life easy. I wonder what first century hammocks are like. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like another party at the Walker's house. Oh, but God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself that is not rich toward God. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was so hard on this man? The younger brother seeking his rightful, entitled part of the inheritance? Well, maybe these slides will help. Okay. I think something might have been going on. We may not necessarily link together. But what if you enter into the imagination of Clayton? A little scary, but follow me. When the man interrupted him, Jesus looked over his way he saw someone else standing right next to that man. Someone whispering things in his ear. Someone wearing this mask. Someone he had met not long ago in the desert. Satan. Maybe that's why Jesus said, watch out. Watch out. And he was probably shaking his head. Man, dude, you've just been played for a fool. Now, this is why I say that. With my highlighting there for this rich fool, what do you notice? Uh, 
going crazy, isn't it? But I, I, my, my. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. This, this kind of sounds familiar. Someone else seemed to talk this way. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's right, Satan. So, what are some ways we believe like what I call a barnite? That's like the rich fool. Okay, I call him barnite. Okay. So, how are you being played for a fool? How about living beyond your means? Or not sticking to a budget? Remember Satan's mask? Lack of contentment? Keeping up with the Joneses? Alrighty. I think we need some help telling the devil, get out of my face. So I'm going to give you some help. Here's two practical suggestions, or at least let me just start with one. I'll do it by way of analogy. What should you do if you're overweight? Eat less. What should you do if you're in debt? Spend less. Man, you guys are smart. The secret to staying on a budget is the same as that of successful dieting. Just find a just-say-no partner. You know, that friend will say to you, uh, you know, maybe shooting arrows straight up over your head isn't such a good idea after all. Okay, teens, I'm going to focus on you all. I know you need some help. I know every day. No, I really feel for you. I do. I do. You guys and gals are exposed, man, mercilessly every day to what I call the Tommy Hilfiger Syndrome. I know, I know, I know. They're going, who? But everybody on this side knows what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, okay. Well, listen, you put whatever brand you want on it. I did my research. I'm relatable. The point is, kids, you're being bombarded daily by intense pressure. Hey, it's temptation. To either fit in or to define your worth by the latest styles of brand of, or brand of clothing you're wearing. Moms, dads, Listen, your role is crucial, it's pivotal to helping your teens be victorious in their stand against the devil's schemes. And we can be victorious over the sin of materialism. That's what the new prosperity gospel message is about. And it can radically transform our lives in the area of financial stewardship. And I want to talk about one man to show you that... I'm not lying. God's not lying. Let's see if we can bring him up. Remember this man? His name, name was Zacchaeus. Okay? I'm just going to leave that up there for a minute. But, you know, look at some of the things that I'm sure you appreciate about Zacchaeus' character. 
and his newfound convictions once he actually met with Jesus. I see, first off, he was willing to fight through many obstacles, tests, to be with Jesus and learn from him. And after meeting Jesus, he wanted his lifestyle to bring glory and honor to God. Interestingly, though, he didn't have to be told by Jesus, because I've shown you mercy, you need to get it. Did he? Look also, he wasn't willy-nilly, that means kind of haphazard, Oh, I don't know what I should give. Maybe I'll feel like giving. Or maybe, uh, no, I don't know. He was intentional. And very specific with giving to God. He really understood the new prosperity gospel. God prospers me. Not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. How can we have that kind of heart? I'm going to call it being like a Zachite. Okay, teens, preteens, we got Barnites and Zachites. Okay, Barnites, not good. Zachites, yeah. Okay, so you can come up with your own ideas, but. Here's my suggestions, at least to start you off on being trustworthy with a few very little things. How about, number one, consider periodically skipping a visit to Starbucks in order to add a few extra bucks to the weekly board contribution. Or maybe offer your time to paint, dust, clean, help organize stuff around here at the church building. Or, parents, how about learning to enjoy bargain hunting with your teens or preteens at consignment shops. Or going with another adult friend on a Saturday morning yard sale adventure. Well, personally, I found the HBO test helpful for me. You're probably wondering, what's that? Okay. How does fill in the blank benefit others? What, what that means is, to what degree do my possessions and activities benefit others, obviously, than myself. And my last suggestion, enough said? Okay. So I just want to wrap it up here. You have time for D groups. Your standard of giving is meant to encourage your fellow brothers and sisters, whether directly or indirectly. More importantly, it's a statement of faith to God, your creator, your provider, your sustainer. How endearing it must be to our Heavenly Father when he hears us tell Satan, you can keep your transformed stone and kingdoms for yourself. There is nothing here on earth that surpasses the splendor of knowing Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, I hope that helps. I'll leave you with a few questions to talk about in your D-groups. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.